0: Welcome to The Media Mix. I'm Claire Atkinson. On this episode, you'll hear from Charlie Gasparino from Fox Business on what's to come at Sun Valley this year, Eric Deggins on the sale of BET, and advisor Michael Casson on Paris Hilton and the creator economy. This week, America's biggest tech and media executives convene in the little Idaho town of Sun Valley to chew the fat and talk deals. The event is hosted by investment bank, Allen & Co. And if you don't know who they are, they're a matchmaker of sorts. They set up friendly meetings, which they hope will lead to big deals between media and tech companies. And sometimes those same bankers pitch breakups too. Some valleys known as summer camp for moguls and sees the likes of Tim Cook, Mark Zuckerberg, Peter Thiel come together with media executives like Bob Iger, Shari Redstone and David Zaslav. Some of the questions on their minds as they go whitewater rafting might be, is CNN for sale? Will Comcast decide it's time to go shopping again? And maybe some are wondering if Warner Brothers Discovery will look the same next year. What's the next move for Microsoft now that the FTC has filed to block its Activision acquisition? These are all things CEOs will be hunkering down to discuss over barbecue at Sun Valley's famed duck pond. Thank you so much for joining us here, Charlie. I know that you are a veteran of Sun Valley, as am I, um, but tell us what we could expect this year. What's What are the conversations that you're hearing out there about deals that could go down or conversations or challenges that all of these players could uh, discuss over whitewater rafting and mountain biking in the beautiful Sun Valley, Idaho?
1: You know, the deal flow uh, in media right now is pretty static. I mean, I don't hear a lot of chatter about things other than surrounding CNN. Will David sell it? And, you know, Jeff Zucker, is he going to buy it? Um, CNN is not for sale, I should point out. I know that for a fact. Um, I don't think Jeff Zucker's got the money to buy it if he wanted to. There there was a story that popped somewhere. It might have been in the Post that he was thinking about it, you know, maybe in his um, nocturnal Not so dry dreams He might buy You know
0: uh, Charlie I think the conversation about CNN has has arisen because There's conversation (laughs) about how Warner Bros Discovery moves Forward in the future And there's kind of like a couple of plays Right there is the idea that Comcast would buy them and therefore they'd have to spin off CNN or <laughs> the idea that. that David would be the aggressor and he might get together with Shari Redstone's Paramount Global because they're the only pieces left if these big media conglomerates are looking to get the kind of scale they need to fight off the Apples and the Netflixes.
1: Yeah, I, I just wonder if if that, if, if, if first off, Discovery Warner has got a ton of debt. I mean, part of this is hampered by the fact that you have to digest the current deal before you can do another deal. Um, on top of that, CNN—you know—everybody talks about there being ratings challenge. That's kind of like the sort of adjective that's always next to CNN: ratings challenge. CNN. It makes about a billion dollars a year. I mean, I know it, it. It made. Someone said I saw the Times did a story about about it. How it's only making it seven hundred this year but that's but that's because they took a charge on cnn plus i mean this thing is either a billion or about a billion which is not bad by the way
0: yeah that's a very big corporation right in its own right
1: that's and and it's uh and and it's got offices around the world i mean it's a real thing and so i want i don't know if if i i can't imagine that zaslav wants to just get rid of it right now okay um now um you know could they you know i think what he wants to do with it this is my guest and just from reporting yeah. is he wants to tinker he wants he, he wants to he, he definitely doesn't want to move away from the political bent that he that they they tried to do under Licked. i mean he wants to go middle of the road he doesn't see the need i mean th- th- and it makes sense there's literally no room for them you know you got fox's daytime programming or excuse me I mean, lean's right. Everybody knows that. MSNBC leans left throughout the day. I mean, you can't really say Fox leans right during the day. It's like a right-wing echo chamber in its news coverage, because it really isn't. I mean, me, Mike Emanuel, Brett Baer. I mean, I'm on low on that. Talk. You know, these are our guys, Brett Baer and, you know, and Martha McCallum, they're they're straight reporters, okay? Uh, that said, we have one niche. MSNBC has another niche. The only niche left is news in the middle. And I think they know that. And I think they're going to stay with that. Now, the question is, does he tinker with that news in the middle? And I think that might be interesting. You know, does he expand? I mean, I, you know, here's one thing that I, I that I, I can't get. I don't get. I used to look at CNN money as a destination place to figure out for stuff because I'm a longtime business reporter. Yeah, it, it's It ceased being relevant. It is, I'm that's not gonna solve all the problems there, but it's an easy way to make money. And I think that's kind of the sort of stuff he's gonna look at doing. Tinkering, where can I tinker with the with the product and the content where I can maybe get some squeeze some extra ad, ad, ad values as I kind of figure out where this sits in the world? Now he I don't think he could do a transformational deal on top of the last transform. It's just how do you do it? How do you digest
0: going on? I mean, I think the thing about Alan and Co.'s media retreat is that people talk about what they could do in 12 months, right? It's not necessarily we're going to sign on the dotted line, but looking ahead at the future, would you potentially be interested in this? Could we potentially sell off right. that? So and who's so, got the money?
1: Who, who's got the money to do those type of deals right now?
0: Yeah, it's tech. I mean,
1: it's tech, right?
0: Tech. Now,
1: what what is the one business that both Republicans and Democrats hate? It's tech. Are they <laughs> going to be able to, from an antitrust standpoint, get through a, a big content related deal? Mm-hmm. You know, can Netflix, I don't know if Netflix has got the balance sheet right now. I mean, I have not followed them lately, but let's just say Apple has a ton of cash, right? They have the balance sheet. Um, could they buy something big like Cherry's thing, Paramount, right?
0: Or a studio, yeah.
1: Or a studio. Will the government allow them to do that? And I would say no. Definitely not the Biden administration. Yeah. So I, the, I think climate,
0: the climate right now is not great for deal making yeah. because we've just seen the FTC block uh, the Activision Microsoft effort to get I together. Mean, that, that's a
1: perfect example. Like, what was antitrust about this game thing? You know, I mean, I don't, I'm not a big activism vision blizzard guy. You know, I what I know about gaming is. To put in the cavity in the back of my mouth but but i i've studied this i've looked at this i i don't get like you know the the, the sort of price concerns on this thing um you know it's not that it's th- this is not like a profoundly anti-competitive deal by any stretch of the imagination yet they blocked it yeah and so tell me would they allow um you know netflix to merge with paramount or something like that i just can't imagine it you know
0: yeah. So tell me, you, you talk to a lot of investment banks. You're very close to people at the top of the big banks. Is is media just over? Is the feeling that investors don't see a positive case and they they do see it for tech? And even with tech's layoffs this past six months, people still see like a a, a good future for tech. And media right now it's in a trough. There's um, consolidation and cost cutting at Disney. It's, you know, they're looking for $5 billion in cuts and right. want a discovery doing the same thing with their need to show Wall Street the synergies. Is media, are your banking sources telling you media is just not a great bet right now?
1: Well, there's this there's little thing called cord cutting, which is, which is real. And, um, you know, it's lineal media, right now the so-called lineal media there' you know they, a lot of it's still profitable. I mean ESPN is still profitable but when you sort of game out future, you see wickedly declining profits. Um, same with every lineal media company out there. It's we they, all of us they all suffer the same problem with cord cutting and um, I think that is what is hampering deal making. I had a banker who was interesting. I asked him about CNN or, you know, a big media company. I said, could you, would you do this deal? He goes, I'd rather be, able, I could bank. What did he say? He said, I can bank a deal for the New York post better. And I said, you mean the New York post post, right? The, the, the place where I do my column every week. He goes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Cause I can sell that thing. It's got great content. I can flick it in something. And it's it doesn't have the legacy costs of lineal media, cable, and all that. You know, we could do an over-the-top product with it. You know, there's ways to make this work within the sort of ecosystem that makes money, and that's you know, you know, if you're Amazon, that's you know, part of their part of their package, their Prime package. If you're Apple, I'm sure you can figure out a way. To, they can figure out a way to do it. Yeah, and, and I think that's if a banker is telling me that. And I think it's fair to say that this is not a, a business that 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 Wall Street has a lot of um, uh, uh, confidence in going forward. And you know, usually, you know, transformational deals, you know, need synergies and they need to be accretive. You know, which deal out there is accretive unless it's a tech company using its massive balance sheet buying one of these things.
0: Yeah, um, Charlie, you've been to Sun Valley for many years. You did interviews with lots of business executives when you were there. What are your What are What are your memories of some of the the past years of, of attending Sun Valley?
1: Well, the best one for me. Well, you know, I got thrown out once, that which was funny. Tell us about I, uh, that.
0: What happened there, yeah. Charlie?
1: Well, here's what, and I'm being honest because the guy that threw me out, one of the the the, um, the security head of security, is a is a nice guy. I, I like him now. Yeah, you know, we're friends now, but we weren't friends back then. So this was, I want to say, God, when was it? I want to say 13, fifteen, something like that. I um, I get in late. I'm tired. My producer. We go out for a really nice meal. I have like a glass of wine or two. I'm not drunk by any stretch of the imagination, right? So I have a couple of glasses of wine, and I'm tired. I said, "Listen, I want to go to bed." And they're like, "No, you got to come to this one party." This is what the, my producer used to go there every time. There's this one party where they let all the media in, and it's great, and it's um, it's 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 one you you get to meet all the players. And I said, "All right." So I, they drag me to this frigging thing, right? We walk in and apparently, not apparently, it wasn't, I I, mean, I didn't know this, but it was a private party that media was not allowed. But within like a minute, we get surrounded by these really, these really aggressive security guard guys. I said, well, what's your problem? And he said, he goes, you got to get out of here. You, you're not supposed to be, you know the, I said, I don't know shit. I, I was just following him in. and they was like, get out now. I said, I will leave. You will not touch me. Have I made myself clear? And he looked at me, gave me a deal. I said, have I made myself clear? He goes, yeah. So I
0: leave. Charlie, thank you so much for joining me on The Media Mix. Those are some of the deals on the table at Sun Valley. But the media has been focusing a lot on BET. So why? Let's talk to NPR's media analyst and TV critic, Eric Deggins.
2: I think the brand name is still powerful, uh, particularly with black consumers. It was once called Black Entertainment Television, and the founder, uh, Robert Johnson, almost uh, turned getting the cable channel into different markets across the U.S. as almost a civil rights crusade, saying, you're not going to have diversity on the cable dial if you don't include this channel. And so I think, uh, particularly (laughs) uh, people of color, like myself, of a certain age, you know, we remember. BET is sort of the first place where we encountered black culture on the cable TV dial back
0: then it was owned by Robert Johnson right who was a legendary african-american businessman who did extremely well with BET at the time
2: exactly and but but he also I think sort of rubbed up against the practical realities which is that it costs a lot of financial it takes a lot of financial capital to really fully exploit a cable channel that has BET's reach so at some point um, he sold it to to Viacom I, I believe um, for uh, and I think the sale turned him into uh, one of the rare black billionaires in America, um, and with the idea that a that a conglomerate like um, Viacom then Paramount Global now would have the resources to fully exploit the channel, but unfortunately I don't think uh, they really did. I don't think they ever really did.
0: Yeah. And, and things are not looking great right now, right? We're, we're, in a, we're in a world where BET is suffering the same kind of fate as a lot of uh, regular cable viewing. It's going away. It's moving to streaming. And so these celebrities could potentially bring back some luster here. Um, I believe the figure that's being bandied around is around three billion. That's a big number. Um Tell us Tell us about who's in the mix and and why it's important for uh, media of this kind to be in the hands of African Americans.
2: Well, uh, you know, we've heard rumors that Tyler Perry um, uh, was interested. And in fact, we even saw some false rumors that said he he had actually already completed the purchase, but it seems like those weren't true. Um, We, we, uh, I talked to, um, uh, I I talked to um, Byron Allen the um uh, media mogul who owns the weather channel and also owns the black news channel and he said he's interested i'm not sure if if he's interested at that price tag uh but he has said he was interested and uh diddy um sean diddy combs has also said uh that he was interested again given that price point it's really high even for um you know celebrities uh at tyler perry and, and diddy's level um, but I think what could happen is you could have this sort of synergy of brands, where the the uh, legacy and the power of the BET brand could be aligned with somebody like um, you know Puff Daddy. P. Diddy, who is trying to build a media empire, and he is known, but you know his media products aren't necessarily as well-known. Uh, and Or somebody like Tyler Perry, who already has a huge studio complex, he's already creating scripted television across a bunch of different platforms, and now he's looking for a way to kind of have a home for all of that product that he's creating in Atlanta. So, you know, for each person who's trying to um, put their hat in the ring, they each have different Priorities, but it may, but it's a union of brands, and the reason why black ownership is so important is that uh, black entertainment television originally came to prominence being uh, a, a black people in conversation with other black people about black culture, which is a very specific authentic and non-stereotypical point of view. Um, what people always wanted from BET was a, a view of black culture that was free from the stereotypes and the marginalization that we see in mainstream media. And one way you avoid that is by having black people be in control of the content, and control of the financing, in control of the, um, the initiatives and the growth of the channel. So uh, I think the hope is that by returning it to stewardship by um, you know, black creative people that will get back to this sense that BET is having an important conversation guided by black people rather than uh, a, a conversation that is in any way moderated by um, white executives or white controlled uh, mm-hmm. media companies.
0: So we we had talked about some of the struggles that BET has had as a uh, more media are looking to become more diverse and speak to uh, people of color and do those stories more broadly, attracting um, more diverse audiences. And that perhaps has left BET with a question mark over its reason for being um, and whether it can still attract um, people of color to what they have on offer. Tell me about that. I mean, obviously, there's good and bad there.
2: Yeah, exactly. You know, as mainstream media outlets get more diverse and people like myself uh, excel and and move up the ladder in mainstream media organizations, um, our influence... Makes those media organizations cover people of color more accurately and more fairly. Uh, you know, we have um, black people who are in charge of MSNBC, in charge of ABC News, um, in charge of the Los Angeles Times. You know, um, not the current executive editor, but the previous executive editor of the New York Times was a black man. So uh, when you have media outlets in the mainstream creating space for accurate, authentic culture uh, coverage of, of black people and black culture, then you have to turn to those outlets that are pointed at Black people and say, well, what are you doing in the 21st century to refine that conversation? What does it mean to be Black entertainment television in 2023 as opposed to what Black entertainment television was in the 1990s? Now, that's an exciting challenge. And I think to see, um, you know, um, moguls like Tyler Perry and Byron Allen, who have met those challenges in other ways, to to present them with that challenge, I think is, uh, it sounds great. And, you know, I think it's a wonderful thing. But Um, these outlets also face all the economic pressures that traditional media face, and they have fewer economic resources to deal with them. So, you know, they're facing an advertising downturn just like everyone else. BET does already have uh, a premium streaming channel called BET Plus, but they have to maintain it, and they have to keep stocking it with original content at a time when we're having a writer strike over compensation for writers and, uh, you know, the, the actors may be on the verge of going, on a strike as well so um there's a lot you need a lot of resources to deal with all these challenges and when you're focused on black culture and talking to black people uh sometimes you don't have the same resources that uh, a media outlet that's focused on mainstream audiences would have so you know they have all the same challenges but they don't have nearly the same resources to cope with them and that's why we've seen that's why we've seen platforms like ebony and Jet magazine and uh you know kind of go the way of, of all things or become really really truncated versions of what they used to be because they just couldn't uh keep up with all the uh, resources that were needed
0: yeah and and you had an exclusive interview with Byron Allen on NPR he talked about some of those challenges that he's faced C- can you uh, explain what he told you about the fact that because he's african american he's allocated the african-american ad budget and despite what he owns
2: yeah, so um, what Byron Allen has done is he's filed lawsuits against McDonald's, two different ones, um, alleging that essentially McDonald's made these promises to invest in black media by doing a certain amount of advertising and then kind of reneged on it. Uh, but what he's really doing is he's putting this conversation in the public space that people who have black-focused media platforms have been talking about for decades, which is this idea that big Companies like Procter & Gamble and McDonald's decide that they're going to break up a a tiny piece of their advertising budget and devote it to minority-centered publications, and that's all they will spend. And if there's an economic downturn, the first thing to get eliminated is that little sliver of funding that goes to these outlets. And what Byron Allen is saying is, hey, you know, I'm a black man who owns the Grio and owns Black News Channel, but I also own the Weather Channel. And I also own general interest TV stations across the country. Uh, don't relegate me. Or my products to this one little sliver. And even if you do, then you have to live up to those promises and actually, um, you know, um, fund that little sliver that you promised to deliver. Uh, so he's filed lawsuits, he's filed two different lawsuits in order to um, bring McDonald's to the table and basically basically force them to explain publicly why they're doing what they're doing. These are things that always used to happen in boardrooms and that didn't get talked about a lot, but black-centered media would feel the brunt of those decisions, and now Byron is bringing this out into the open and forcing people to talk about it. And he talked to me about it, and he said, that, that was you know that was basically his goal to just kind of force McDonald's to live up to the promises that it had made before now McDonald's to their um to be fair to them has said. Uh, that Byron Allen is indulging in publicity stunts and that, you know, um, his allegations are unfair and they're fighting the both of these lawsuits. So they, they're not accepting his view of things, but that's his view of things.
0: Got it. Eric Deggins, thank you for joining the Media Mix. Hopefully we'll talk to you again soon when BET is actually sold.
2: Yeah, I can't wait to talk when that happens. And thank you so much for having me.
0: That was NPR's Eric Deggins. I spoke with Michael Casson at the Cannes Lions Festival in France. He's the CEO of MediaLink, a marketing and media consultancy owned by Hollywood talent agency UTA. We chatted about the company's new creator unit and about how more brands are seeking to partner with powerful influencers like Paris Hilton.
3: Part of the inspiration for the deal with United Talent Agency was something that we launched actually just a few weeks ago as a a new division of of MediaLink and it's the DTC division and I know in in the advertising industry that acronym stands for Direct-to-Consumer and we still respect that as one of the utilizations of that acronym. We're using it a little bit differently, we're calling it Direct-to-Creator. Because the desire for the brand side of our equation to have closer proximity and relationships to the creating to the those who are creating the content it, it's it's present everywhere.
0: That's an interesting concept. Back in the day, we used to have brands say, "I want to place my product in a Hollywood movie." but we're also in a in a world now where young creators can, Uh, come up with an audience, they can monetize that audience, they can grow, they can do what Alex Cooper did with Call My Daddy and go to the top of the Spotify charts. How do you see the creator economy developing where it comes to brands wanting to plug into what they're doing?
3: Well, if brands want to be closer to the culture, to the zeitgeist, you want to be with the people who are creating that culture and creating that zeitgeist and again, uh, telling the story from a corporate perspective, UTA was very early in understanding digital talent, the first of the talent agencies to understand the influencer, to understand digital talent. Literally, I promise you, they were so far ahead of the curve in Hollywood and that's proven to be a real benefit because we have the largest practice in that area and we've also learned the difference between influencers, someone who's an influencer and someone who's influential. and. Identifying that, I'd take Paris Hilton, who's a great example. Paris Hilton is a UTA client. She's become a Michael Casson friend. I'm proud to say that. And you know, I would have had the same impression of Paris that others might have. Probably a little flighty and, you know, why exactly am, am I following what Paris Hilton does and says and what made her influential. What I've learned over these couple of years getting to know Paris as a person, she is stick smart, she is focused like you can't believe and she understands her audience and she's a great partner to brands. And you know, I judge by this. When I watch Paris at an event, yes, she can spin with the best DJs in the world, but I also know that she gets out from behind the the tables when she's spinning as a DJ and she'll take a selfie with everybody. She is so generous of spirit and so authentic and that gets to one of the more important words that is a motivator for this DTC direct is authenticity. So if you're a marketer that wants to be able to deliver an authentic message to an audience, then find who that audience is being influenced by. And if that person lines up with the values that you're trying to espouse as a brand, or the story you're trying to tell, and it can be done in an authentic way, that's what everybody, that's the holy grail.
0: Michael Kasson, CEO of MediaLink, thank you for joining The Media Mix.
3: What's your take
0: on Web3 and social media? email me at themediamixus at gmail.com and be sure to subscribe to the podcast and the newsletter so we can keep you in the mix. Thanks for listening.